began a new series called Songs of Yesterday. And in it, we talked about how some of the greatest hymns, some of the greatest worship songs ever written have incredibly moving stories behind them. And, and not only that, but so many of the songs have such a, a rich a biblical and such a theological richness to them. And, and whenever you can dig into that, whenever you can get into that, whenever you can hear some of those stories, um, it changes the way that you sing the song. And the example that I gave last week was that whenever you hear every, every step you take by stinging the police, um, the song sounds beautiful, right? And it just sounds so loving and so touching until you realize it was written from the perspective of a stalker. Then the song changes, right? Changes the way you hear the song, changes the way you sing the song. And so there's so many songs that are like that. And as it turns out, Puff the Magic Dragon was indeed a children's song and never was written about marijuana, right? <laughs> Even though we all wanted it to be about that, okay? So the song that we're getting into today is, and you probably could pick up on it, is Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, okay? And there's lots of different variations of this song. This song was written um, just in different segments and different verses uh, by a woman named Frances Havergal. And uh, she was a singer. She was a songwriter. She was actually a preacher's kid. And she grew up under, under great discipleship, served the Lord, loved the Lord, but she reached this point in her life around in her 30s where she felt like there was something missing. There was, there was something missing in her life. Yes, she loved the Lord, but, but she felt like there was more. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place before, is that yes, you're, you're doing your best, you're getting in the Word, you're disciplined with everything that you need to be, uh, you, you go to the Lord in prayer, but you just feel kind of stale, right? That there's some, some kind of puzzle piece missing. And so one day she is given a copy of a book called All for Jesus. This one, she, when she was about 36. This is in 19, 1876. 1873, excuse me. And she read this book called All for Jesus. And this book stressed the importance of, of making Christ and putting Christ at the center of your life. Not necessarily uh, Jesus being high on your list and, and marking him off as you go, but, but seeing Jesus, seeing life through the lens of Jesus. Everything that you do in your life goes through those lenses. And so this really transformed her. This changed her. Um, she remembers the day very vividly. She remembers that the day that she had sort of this awakening, this enlightenment was December 2nd, 1873. Um, that's the day that she cannot unsee. That's the day that she truly came alive in her faith. And, um, after her sort of this enlightenment that we can call it, she, she was traveling and she tells the story of, of a time that she stayed at this home. She was on the road and stayed at this, at this uh, you could call it a hotel of sorts. But at this house, there were 10 other people and her stay was only for five days. And um, they were, there were different mixes of people in the house. There were some who were not believers at all. Uh, there were some who were kind of just believers in the idea of God and Jesus, but not, not fully committed individuals. They may go to church every once in a while, um, but we would, say that they, we would say that they were lukewarm. We wouldn't say that they had much affection for Jesus at all. Um, and this is, unfortunately, this is kind of what we sometimes see in our churches today, isn't it? That, um, that there, are, there are many lukewarm believers, but, but few genuine followers of Christ, right? It, it's almost as if to say that we, we believe in the concept and the idea that diets work, but we don't follow a diet. 
we believe that, that budgets can work if you apply those, but we may not follow a budget. And yet there are so many believers that think that, okay, I, I believe that, that, yeah, Jesus is real, that he was a real person, but I don't really have any intention of, of following him, fashioning my life after his, anything like that. And unfortunately, too, it's, it's many of those lukewarm believers that become the church's spokesman for the unbelieving world. And that, that always plays over well, doesn't it? That, that they're trying to convince people on the outside who, who don't know Jesus at all, that they have it all together, that they have the life that they're looking for, um, when really that's not the case at all. When, whenever it's people who, who have just been captured, their hearts have been captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, that is what people are looking for. That is what uh, our lost and dying world is looking for. But that's beside the point. Rant over, okay? So, so it's in this house. Francis is in this house, and she is ministering. Uh, she is ministering to these people. She's sharing the gospel to, this, to this, uh, this house and these people here. And her prayer to, to God is this. She says, Lord, give me all this house. Help me to win everyone in this house over to you. And so she begins to get after it. She begins to, to um, introduce herself to these people, share the gospel with these people. And at the end of the five days, she took all 10 of them and converted them into full-time followers and delighters in Jesus Christ. Okay? Her motto, ABC, always be closing. Okay, because that's what she did. She closed the deal on this thing. And so in her final night at this house, she was unable to sleep. Like she was so excited that, that the Lord did what the Lord can do. And it's then that she began to write the words to take my life. And so what, what we need to realize when we sing this song, it's not necessarily a, a song about God, but it is a, it is a song to God. And more specifically for you and I, it's a prayer. It's a prayer that we pray. And, and if we're not careful when we sing it, when we pray it, God might actually believe us. And so what I want to do is I want us to just walk through some of the lines of this song. And you might notice some of the lines that I give are different from the hymnal, different from the screen. Again, there's lots of variations of this. But what I want to invite you to do is, is in the same way that, that the Holy Spirit uh, exposes things as you open God's word. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal some things in you as we go through some of the lines of this song, okay? So um, she says, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. What does it mean to be consecrated? To be consecrated means to be set apart. It means to be, to be set aside from that which is common for a very specific purpose. It doesn't necessarily mean um, that, that we're better than anyone but, but Francis is asking God, Lord, set me aside, okay? Uh, let, me, let me miss out on certain things that the rest of our world is missing out on um, because I want to be used by you. May I be consecrated to you. May I be used by you in, in um, marvelous ways. And so this is her declaration, and he, she continues, and she says, take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Francis prays here that, that every single moment, moment by moment, everything that she says, every conversation that she has, she wants, she wants it to be uh, flown, to be given in ceaseless praise. Not necessarily on Sundays from 9.55 to 11 
or whenever I let you out of here, okay? Not just in that window, but everything that she does, every conversation she has, everything she says, uh, may, may the praise of God always be on her lips. And uh, I mentioned last night that um, I went to the, the night session of the, the fall retreat. I led the night session uh, where our students are this morning. And uh, the topic that I had was on thankfulness and just how thankfulness and gratitude has a way of, of stirring up our hearts uh, to love God more and to, to have us delight in God more. And one of the things that I told the students is, is that you have to be experts in the ways that God has blessed you. Like no one has the life that you do. No one has lived the life you have. Right? No one has the experiences you do. No one has the parents you do, aside from your siblings. Uh, no, one, no one has the upbringing that you No one has the skill set, the personality, the gifts. All of those accumulate. God has given you all of those things and blessed you in so many different ways. I can't write your stories for you. I could probably tell you some things that you're good at if we get to know each other a little bit longer. But, but God has blessed you in so many different ways that we have to be, we have to be masters at knowing all of those things. Because what that does is that creates an attitude of praise. It creates an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude towards the Lord. Samuel says in his sort of his farewell address and going into his retirement as he hands leadership over, over to the kings, he says in 1 Samuel 12, 24, to consider all of the great things that God has done. Right? If we could do that every single day, if we could consider the great things that God has done, how different would our lives be? Right? And I know I've talked to many parents also that, that wish that their kids would be more grateful. Is that anybody in here? Like you've got grown children and you wish that your kids would be more grateful, right? Um, one of the things that I always say, and this, this is me too, okay? Because I wish, I know that I wish my kids were more grateful and could vocalize that to me. But I've also asked myself, how often do my kids catch me being grateful? Am I, am I, do, they, do they hear me being grateful? Do they hear me being thankful? Or do I just move on to the next thing? Do they only ever hear me complain about Chick-fil-A getting my order wrong? Do they only ever hear me talk about how Walmart uh, deliver, you know, pickup order messed it up again? Do they only ever hear me complain about these things? Do they hear me thank God for things, right? Let, let them catch us doing that, right? Let them catch us doing that. So let, and, and in that gratitude, we will be able to uh, give those moments and those days that we will continue to give God praise. Okay, so let's move on to the second verse. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. So as she grew in her faith, this was not something that, that happened overnight, but, but Frances, when she wrote this, this hymn and this song, she used this in her daily devotions. This is a, that she would read through this and she would let the Lord just reflect and sort of, again, the Holy Spirit work in her life and expose things in her life that need to uh, have attention brought to them. And so this prayer changed her. And one day as she was singing this part, take my silver and my gold, she realized that she had accumulated a large amount of jewelry. Um, and her, her story says over 50 pieces. Now, I don't know if that's a lot, ladies, okay? I wear a wedding ring and I wear a watch on occasion. Um, I know today it's very easy to have lots and lots of many pieces of jewelry, but also I did a quick Google search on this also. It wasn't until like the early 1900s, like 1920s, that costume jewelry became a thing. And whenever I, men, when I say costume jewelry, I mean basically cheap jewelry that sort of accentuates the outfit. Lady, how, ladies, how am I doing? Is that right? 
Okay, so it's cheap. You can go to your local boutique. You can get a cheap pair of earrings, a cheap bracelet, all those different things. Um, now you can, go to, you can go to Walmart and go to Claire's, buy three, get the fourth free. Okay, that's kind of how that's set up. Um, that's not the kind of jewelry that we're talking about that Francis has, all right? So back in, before any of that was available, if there was jewelry, it was expensive stuff, okay? And so what she did is she felt... She felt convicted as if she was holding back from the Lord. And so she donated, I believe it was over 50 pieces of jewelry to the local mission board uh, because she felt like that had a hold on her. I think she saved maybe one or two pieces uh, for, for herself to wear um, just on different occasions. And so, um, so that's, we read that, we hear that. And it's a great question for us, isn't it? Is do, we, do we welcome God to use our silver and our gold? Are we open-handed with it? Or do we, do we kind of tend to hold back on it? Is this a line that we're willing to sing? Is this a line that we're willing to pray? Okay, I know for me personally, this one I might mumble a little bit, right? Just because I've got, you know, I've got three kids, I've got things to take care of, right? Sometimes it's hard to trust the Lord. But again, this is, this is another line that's stretching us, that's challenging us a little bit, okay? Take my intellect and use every power as you choose. I think we can all agree that some bring more to the intellectual table than others, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we all have different, amen. Uh, we all have different competencies, don't we? Like we all have different skill sets. There's things that we're good at. I can say for me, there are more things that I'm bad at than things that I'm good at. And that's okay. I've done my best to try to offer those to the Lord. But, but in, just as a small example, I know uh, that, that myself and some of the leadership of the church, we've been in conversations as to what is in the future for Bershba. Uh, what, does, what, do our, what does our worship space look like and what could it look like? What directions are we going in in transformations? What is, how can this change? What can this look like? And there's people in this congregation that have eyes for that. Like they, they, can, they can see it. They have the vision. They have the design for it. All of those things. And then there's people that, that can't necessarily see it, but, but they can help. They can help financially. They can help with the brick and the mortar. Um, there are people just all over the places that bring different areas of competency to the table. Just a few weeks ago, we had an incident here in the sanctuary where a young lady passed out. Right? We have nurses in the room that have competencies in those levels. If I need to know where a good fishing hole is, I'm gonna ask Jeff. If there is a, if there is a raccoon attached to someone's uh, apartment building that needs to be physically removed, I'm gonna call one of West Point's finest, Joe Redmond, and have him yank that raccoon off the side of a building, okay? That one's specific for a reason. Ask Joe about that one. So we're, we've all got these talents. We've all got these things that we can offer, and this is, this is Francis's prayer is that she offers her intellect, she offers her talents, she offers whatever that she can do. And, and you can offer the same thing. When you pray this line, when you sing this line, what can you do for the body of Christ? What can you, how, how can you serve uh, this local church? How can you serve the surrounding community? Right? So again, this song has a way of reading all of us. And, and it's, it's a personal challenge in a way. It's a personal challenge for all of us. Are we living into this or are they just words to us? Okay, verse three says, take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. There's many people that wanna know what the will of God is in their life. 
right? I think, I think books and movies and stories often paint it as, what's my purpose? What's my destiny? What's, what's my calling? And all, that, all that's good and, and appropriate. But our world has a lot of different ways that they, that they search for that. Some of them search for it in self-help books. Some of them search for it in literature. Some of them look to the stars, study astrology. Some of them take, take the Enneagram and discover that there are seven, you know, whatever that means, right? But we all, we all are in search of, of our purpose. What's our calling? What is God's will for our lives? And it's true that we all have that. We all want to know. We all want to, to fulfill the dreams that we have. We all want to live our lives to the fullest. And her prayer here, here is, that, is that God would take whatever will she has. God would take whatever dreams that she has and make it into his. Right? And the Lord does that. The Lord does that as, as we can. The best way that we can discover our will for our, uh, his will for our lives is when we can do what Psalm 37 says is to delight ourselves in him. Delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. Okay, find our joy in him and he will take us down the paths and the directions that we need to go. And so the last verse, she says, Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. And so it's built up. The song builds up to this point as she slowly gives pieces of her life. Take my time. Take these moments. Um, take my silver. Take my gold. Take my heart, take my will, take my life, my love, take all of me. This is, this is what we build to. This is, what, this is what the Christian life looks like, is that bit by bit, we surrender more to the Lord as we walk alongside of him. And so God asks for everything, even though we are totally fine many days, just giving him a little bit. Giving him a little bit at a time, we look around us, we look to our left, we look to our right, and we see, well, they're only going this far. I'm doing a little bit better than that, so I'm okay. Um, but what God has given us is he has given us everything in his son. And so he's asking us to do the very same. And so what I want, what I want you guys to do this week is, is I want you, if you can, you can take a picture of, of the song. You can take a picture of it in your hymnal. You can go online. But I want you to pray this song once every single day and ask God to, to expose some things in you. Um, because I, I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever been around. I, this has happened to everybody, so I know this has happened. But I want you to think about a time that you've been around someone that, that is so good at what they do that you often wonder, what am I doing? Right? Have you ever been around that person? And typically it happens with people that are in similar fields as us, like people who maybe do the same job that we do or, or have the same hobbies that we do. Uh, like, for example, if you're a teacher and you, you've got your lessons plan, lesson plans together, you teach your class, but then there's another teacher just down the hallway from you. They seem to just have students on the edge of their seats. They have their, their students' attention. They're fun. They're creative. They're, they're always every student's favorite teacher. Like you look at the job that they do and you just think, again, what am I doing? What am I doing wasting my time when there's teachers like that? Or if you're a mechanic and, and you've, you've tore it down and you've built it back and for whatever reason, you just can't seem to fix the problem. And then someone else just hears the engine idle and they, they can immediately pinpoint what's wrong with it. 
or one that, that always drove me crazy as a kid. Um, I would be doing yard work and my dad would say, hey, go, go mow. Or I, so I would start the mower, I'd start the weed eater, I would get the leaf blower going and I would, Charlie, I'd fill it with gas, I'd turn the choke on, I'd start yanking that rip cord till I was red in the face. And what would I tell my dad? It's broken, it doesn't work. And what would he do? First try, Jeff. First try, he would start that thing up and, and I just felt like an idiot. Right? We've all kind of been in that situation where whatever we're doing, whatever field we're in, there's always somebody better than us at it. And the whole point of saying that is there, there are things like that that happen in our lives that really humble us. Sometimes we need it, sometimes we don't. Um, but, but whenever I sing this song, whenever I pray this prayer, it humbles me. It makes me feel like a loser, <laughs> to put it simply. But, but the Lord has a way of, of destroying us in a good way. Um, in the same way that the military is known for, for tearing down people only to build them back up, up into soldiers, God has a way of breaking us down so that he can build us further into his image. And, and songs like this, the, the word of God, Spending time with the Lord, songs like Take My Life have a way of doing that as well. And so my, my homework for you, my challenge for you this week is to, to take this song, read through it every day. Let God challenge you with it. Let God change you. Let him shape you. Let him expose some of these areas of your life uh, where, where you could change. Do you feel this way about the things you say? Do you feel this way about your praise? Do you want... Uh, praise for him to come off of your lips. Um, do you treat your money like it belongs to you or like it belongs to God? Um, do you spend your time the way that he wants you to spend your time? Is there a way, ask yourself, is there a way I'm holding back with God, with my heart, with my life? Okay, let God do this exploratory surgery on your heart and be ready to hear the prognosis. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for I thank you for your for faithful servants like Francis Havergal who 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 won people to Christ, who penned this song. And and Lord, it's something that has has shaped so many lives. It's such a such a, a self-reflective device for us, Father. And God, there's so many ways that uh, that we just are really stagnant. There's so many ways that we say things, well, this is good enough, I'm happy here, I'm content here. But God, there's so much that we're missing out on whenever we don't dig deeper, whenever we don't go further. And so Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit convict us where we need to be convicted, that your Holy Spirit move us to action where we need to be moved to action. And so, Father, in all of those things, we pray uh, that you would open our eyes to these things so that we may be more like you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.